you're here. That's good to see. Um, can we just bow our heads one more time and ask God to bless the word and speak to us? Father, we just uh, are grateful for your word that is before us, Lord, and we just pray that as we open it, that you may speak to us and that you may inspire us, that you may challenge us, that you may help us to grow, to be true disciples of you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, and we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, you can, um, most of you have seen that we're fostering two little babies. And so Melanie told me that maybe I should just let you know that if I don't make sense, that um, it's because we had a pretty rough night. And I said, well, what's it, what am I going to say next time when this happens? And we don't have the kids and I don't make sense. So, um, yeah, so if I don't make sense today, there's a really good excuse. <clears throat> I, um, I, I got the, top, the name of the topic today. Is, is we're going to get to a scripture that Jesus asked the question, what about you? So the question is going to be more focused today's sermon. And as always, um, the sermon is always focused on us as individual, on you, not on the person next to you or your parents or your son or your husband or your wife, but strictly to you. And that's what Jesus, on this question, when we'll get to the verse, he pointed it out straight and asked the question, what do others think? But what about you? What do you think? Um, there was a man that liked to share um, his Christian faith using two simple questions. And the first one is, is a very common one that we like to start a conversation by saying, uh, what do you do for a living? So most people would say, yeah, what they do for a living, they have a job or they're a businessman or they're an, um, a teacher or a plumber or electrician or um, whatever you, you're, you do for, for a living is that you would tell to answer that question. So that would be a pretty easy and straightforward question that people would answer without having second thoughts about that. But his second question would be, is what are you living for? And that's a question that I'd also would like to get each one of you to ask yourself today also, is what am I living for? You know, you hear a lot of time people say that I live for my children, I live for my family, I live for, some people don't like to admit, but they live for work, they live for money. They live for recognition. How many times you hear of people, I just want to be remembered by, for something, for something I've done in my life. I want people to remember me by that. So again, it's focused on self. Even though it's probably a good thing to want to be remembered for a good reason, but it is focused on self. So what are you living for? Um, and I guess that you know, the answer to that question will be also is, um, as we'll get further, we'll, we'll, we'll ask the question again. And a lot of it is to do in how you spend and how I spend my time and majority of my time. So whilst you're not sure how to answer that question, probably your life is answering that question and my life is answering and reflecting on that question. Um, to help us answer a bit these questions, I'd like for us to take a trip back in time to Caesarea. And this is where Jesus had got all his disciples and he takes them away and it happened quite often where Jesus would take his disciples away from the group and he would ask them a question because he just wanted to be 
to be away from everyone, to, to be able to get them to focus on, on themselves, to, to, to take a moment and to, you know, we might call it to meditate. And so in Matthew chapter 16, he says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This is the confession that he acknowledged that he is the living God, that he's God in the flesh. And so whilst popularity with Jesus um, ex, ex, just went like wildfire when Jesus first started his ministry in a very positive way because pe- people just saw that Jesus was up for good. So he would heal Peter the sick, he would... Um, cast out demons out of the demon-possessed person. He would um, feed the hungry. And a lot of the stories that he shared, like the the parables, were just very positive. So he became quite popular in a positive way. But then the disciples, not the disciples, even amongst the rich and probably the people with the powerful men, opinion was quite good about Jesus. But then slowly, he started, there was a bit of noise happening around. And they started to spread rumours and they just wanted, they could see, I'm sure you've heard this many times, they could see that this was heading to a direction where they weren't going to be happy about because it was going to take away from them what they thought that was theirs. So they might lose their positions. or um, So they were looking at a way how to bring Jesus down and how to um, turn people away from Jesus. So Jesus calls his disciples and he pulls them aside and he says to them, um, who, what do people say that, who do the people say that I am? And so they told him, some people saying, you know, that you're John the Baptist, some say you're the, a, a prophet, some say that, and, and this is recorded in another passage as well. But then he's, he asked the question, who do, you think, who do you say that I am? Don't worry about them. Who, what, what's inside you here? What are you feeling? What is your belief? Because now you're hearing some of the negative stuff as well. So you're hearing a lot of the bad and the negative stuff that people are saying. And the conversation does not end there. Jesus is seeking more than just a confession from them. So first, they make a confession. First, Peter makes a confession that represents all the disciples. And he says, you are the son of the living God. So is that going to modify their lives? Is that going to change their lives? Is that going to change their commitment towards him? And I'd like for us to read in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. He says, then he called the crowd to him uh, along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit or lose his own soul or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul um i last year some of you know that i've just come from cambodia with my two daughters and we went there on a medical trip for the second time and um, last year <clears throat> I met a guy by the name of Joshua 
um, he, he's, a, he's a Chinese guy that speaks fluent Spanish, which was, <laughs> which was quite surprising to, to see a Chinese man to speak Spanish. But his story is quite amazing. He was, uh, the reason he learned Spanish is he used to do drugs and he would be a, traffic, a, a drug trafficker from in the United States when he was getting his degree there. And whilst he was there, that's where he became a Christian and he got saved. And so he was all excited and really excited for God. And, um, and, and then he just went back, came to Australia, and he, he raised his family in Australia, a son of two doctors, both parents doctors. Um, but the interesting thing about Joshua is that whilst he was having a very successful real estate business in, in Sydney, he had this massive um, stroke. And whilst he was having this stroke, he made a commitment to God that if he pulls through, that he's just going to give his life totally to God. And um, so he went to Cambodia and he's there, his family's in Malaysia. But I think, you know, here is a person that went to an extreme, from one extreme to the other. And his story, and I hope that he'll come here one day and he'll share his testimony to you guys um, in our church. It would be really nice to see Joshua here. But he goes around the world now and he's based in Cambodia. That's where his mission is and he's helping a lot of people there. But he, he, he basically remembered these verses that says you've got to give it all up. And to him, that, that's what he meant to him. It doesn't mean that we all have to give it up and I'll explain a little bit later on on how we can be effective, how, how we can be in mission where we're at. But Joshua thought that that's what he had to do. And he's, his family is now in Malaysia, he's in Cambodia, but he's basically given his life for the gospel and for God which is great to see and encouraging at the same time. Um, but it doesn't mean that we have to do that because I know that if I say that, um, you know, how many of us are prepared to do that, including myself? Probably not. Probably no one in here. Some of the interesting um, verse here, it says, um, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. I think that if we'd like to paraphrase this whole few, these few verses, I could just imagine Jesus saying, now that you know who I am and you're, you're ready to take up your cross and follow me, before you answer, let me warn you that people are going to look at you and they're going to say, what a waste of life you're living. Do you feel that some people are saying that about you now? When people hear your story and that they hear that you are a committed Christian and that you go to church on Sunday, first they think that Sunday is such a waste you're wasting your life on Sunday. Another little story, when I, um, I told a lot of people that I'm going to for two weeks and I stood up here in church and I said I'm going to for two weeks to one week I'm going for business in, in China and one week I'm going on mission in Cambodia. Well, um, I didn't know, but my mission kind of started in China. One, I went to visit um, Christine Huber's son, um, Matthew, that... Uh, running a, a, a community church or they, they go to an underground church. They start a few home church cell groups and now they run a museum as a cover-up um, for them being in China for, to spread the gospel and to, to work with other people there as well. But, um, but after that, I went to a, to, a, to a city on my own and I met this um, extraordinary way that I met this Indian fella and he said to me... Um, 
after we, we met, you just don't normally meet a person, you go have dinner with them, do you? You know, so we went around, we had dinner, he's vegan and he's from India, very religious Hindu of a special sect that are vegans and he's so, he explained to me and then he's, he's just telling me that I know there's a reason why we've met. He believes in karma and he believes that there's a reason why we met and I know, I said, I know why we met because I'm supposed to share the gospel to you. And so I shared the gospel with him and, you know, and it wasn't even meant to be. Like, here I am in China and I wasn't going to be a mission tour the next week. But I've, I've, we, we stayed in contact and I sent him a message yesterday and we, you know, he says, I'll read it when I'm in my leisure time. I, I send him a video of Ravi Zachariah. You know, he's a very, I think that he'll respect them more coming from an Indian person because he's an Indian. And, um, but I'm, I, I, my point is that a lot of time God will surprise us on mission. You know, and our life is meant to be a mission, and we'll talk more about that. You know, rather than to be a career, our life is meant to be a mission. And we, when you're open, and, you know, the circumstances, I'll share that story with you if you want to hear it later on, but, or, or at another time, because it goes for two days. So, <laughs> so it'll be a, a long time to share that. But um, So Jesus is telling his disciples, yep, you people think that you're wasting your life away. You're throwing your life away. And people think that too. And this is what my friend, this Indian friend said. You're wasting your life. You know, we are gods. He's telling me that we are gods according to his belief. You come back reincarnated in an animal, in a form of an animal. And he's so sure of it. And he's so convinced. And I'm so sure of the other way. And I'm so sure of the gospel. And I'm sure, so sure of Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done for us. So when I'm telling him a story and I share with him and he tells me from his angle and it's completely the opposite, you know. And so, um, so it's interesting for him, my life is a waste of time, you know. And for a lot of us, for a lot of people out there, it's a waste of time. And Jesus said, you know, as he's sharing this, that yes, a lot of people see that this is a waste of time. But the time will come where they will know that it wasn't, that you were right and they were wrong. The time will come. And he's saying that you can choose whichever way you want. After all, what is good will... You can live the way you want, you live your life. Go ahead. Millions of people do. In the end, they will be sorry. But by then, it will be too late for them to do anything about it. The way of the cross or the way of the world? How do we invest? How do we invest? And I spoke on investment before. You know, we can look at the life of Jesus. Was his life a failure? According to the world, he was. I said, I shared a long time ago about one guy at work that we used to have discussions with. And he said, and I mentioned this before, some of you might remember, he says that even Jesus made a mistake. So whenever he wouldn't make a mistake at work, he'd say, even Jesus made a mistake. What mistake did Jesus make? He went, if he said who he said he was, he went too early, he said. He shouldn't have gone that early. And I'm thinking, well, you know, you try to say that to God. <laughs> try to tell God that he made a mistake. But, you know, let's have a quick look at the life of Jesus. First, he's born in a, in, in a really big, large city, famous, that everyone heard of, right? Wrong. He wasn't born in Rome or Jerusalem. He was born in a tiny little place. In my passport, I got a... In your passport, it says the place of birth, yeah? All of you have it, and it says, where were you born? And I don't know about the people here in Sunshine, but it probably says Sunshine Hospital, or it says Sunshine, or it says Melbourne. But my passport used to say in Buenos Aires, 
in Argentina. And then um, for some reason, they had the name Lujande, which is a little town where Oscar and our families come from. And so on my passport now, he says, where, where were you born? And he says, Lujan. Most people, like people in China, they see my passport or now I went to Cambodia and people look it up and they see he's Australian citizen and where is he born? In Lujan. Must be in Australia. You wouldn't think that Lujan. He doesn't say Lujan, Buenos Aires or Lujan, Argentina. It just says Lujan. And people just think that, you know, so I'm, I have something in common with Jesus that I'm born in a place that no one knows where it is. So it's... Uh, People found out where Bethlehem is, I know. but So he's born in a pretty small place. He didn't go to high school. He didn't go to university. He didn't have any professional training. He didn't have a bank account. He didn't have a property portfolio. So he was, he was a failure, wasn't he? He didn't have nothing to his name. He never wrote a book. He never had held public office. He didn't have a wife or children or a family. He felt at home amongst the outcast of society, amongst the poor. So how, what would people say about him? He was a failure. His life was a failure. He would like to surround himself around people like that. And finally, he dies and they, they, they capture him. They throw him in prison. They try him and then they, they kill him. By most modern standards, he, was, he would be considered as a failure. But... Think about it, after 2,000 years now, after more than 2,000 years, the Bible, the book that talks about him is still the most popular book sold. It's the world's number one seller. There's people, there's, uh, people that, followers that he has, billions of followers worldwide. It's, it's amazing. You know, we're all special in his sight. So each one of us as an individual is so special. And yet there's billions of people worldwide. Just about every country, if not every single country in the world, has disciples of Jesus Christ. And you say, how can that be? Where, how do people go there? <laughs> he takes care of that. He's got people. He's got ambassadors. He's got people that are there. People that are on a mission. Or people that were there. He was humiliated to the point of death. And a failure. But he's has followers no matter how tragic the story may seem to people and his mission on earth may have been seen as a failure but now he's become the greatest success story hasn't he thank you billion followers I could have told that to my friend my Indian friend how many Places on earth, how many countries on earth has his um, God have followers? In Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 11, says, So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. Have we got that verse there? Thank you. <clears throat> so this is this is the verse. This is what I was saying that you know everyone will see that Jesus Christ is Lord, and and I love this verse. He says, he says every knee should bow. Isn't that going to be an awesome sight when every knee is going to bow? But not only here on earth. What does it say? In heaven, 
So we're going to have something in common with, with the heavenly beings or, or people that are in heaven that we, that we will bow at the same time, that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. We're all going to bow together to Jesus at the same time. What an amazing and awesome sight that would be. And Jesus, when he was talking about himself <clears throat> and you know about being a success story or what should he go, and in, in John chapter 12, verse 24, he says, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And think of it now, 2,000 years later, I said a billion people that are followers of Jesus Christ because of that one seed that died. Jesus died. And he's asking us to die to ourselves. You know, um, <clears throat> you, you, I think we have a, a, a corn on the next couple of slides. That's a kernel of corn. And have a look, if you can try to count those. We plant corn in our garden. And usually you get about three to five cobs like that out of one seed. And... Well, I, I brought some seeds here today, and I'm going to put them at the door there. And um, they're, they're good quality ones, yeah? So they're not just some junky ones. So they're super sweet corn. And if you've got a little garden or you'd like to plant it somewhere, I'd like you to challenge you and just put it in your garden, and, and, and you'll see and look after it. Water it and be remembered that if, every time that you see that and when you finally eat it, um, I'll plant this some myself as well, but I'll put it at the door there. And I'd like you to just put it, even if you've got some, um, you haven't got much garden, you might just have a rose or some, a little rose bush. You can still put in the ground there. As long as you water it, it will grow. But have a look at that. It's totally dead. It died to itself. It doesn't look like that first one that Jessica got on the screen for me there. It looks very dry and dead. You know, that doesn't look like it's got any life in it at all. And that's what Jesus is saying about us, that we must die to ourselves. When it's no longer about me, when it's about him. That's when we will start reproducing and we'll start producing. Another way that I can illustrate this is, <clears throat> have we got a, are we on a mission or have we got a career? What do we, how, how do you see yourself? And the definition in the dictionary is quite, um, it's quite interesting. It says, a career is something that you choose for yourself, but a mission is something chosen for you by someone else. There's a huge difference, isn't it? between living for your career and being sent on a mission. The Bible doesn't mention nowhere about career. You can't find the word in the Bible. You won't find the word career. Having a career is not biblical. Having a mission is. It's not that believers don't have careers. We all have careers. So some of us are businessmen, some are computer programs, like I mentioned, some work at a bank, some work as nurses, teachers, bricklayers, housewives, and so on. But the difference, the people of the world live there for their careers and the people of God don't. And I mentioned to you about the disguise that this man had. So he was disguised in China but he was on a mission. And that is the same as us. So you could be disguised as a, as a carpenter, but with a mission and as a servant of the living God. <clears throat> I think that career tells us to aim to get to the top. 
and that will be our satisfaction. When we get to the top, you aim for the top no matter what cost. So if you've got to move towns, you know, in America, they're a lot bigger into that. In America, it's quite interesting because I've got a lot of friends that they, 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 one brother lives in one side of the country, another one lives on that side of the country, their parents live somewhere else, and then at Christmas, you think it's hard for us when we've got to go to three little town, towns or suburbs, they've got to go through two or three different cities. And it's all based on the career because they're going for their career and this is what the career demands. A career is a ladder that you must climb and a mission is, is a journey that you must take. Career makes you a professional. A mission makes you a disciple. Career takes you to the top and a mission takes you to the cross. It's very different, isn't it? Your career is about here and now. Your mission is about eternity. You don't look at the here and the now. You look at far ahead. And I know it's nice to have a career, but it's far better to be on a mission for God. So God's job description for, for us is you're a missionary, you are a missionary cleverly, cleverly disguised as a businessman. You're a missionary cleverly disguised as a trade as a carpenter whatever your role is think of your title that you are a missionary disguised but you're on a mission you're always on a mission it's not wrong to have a career to do do well by the world standard but it's all about the perception it's all about the idea it's all about what you actually do with that one has lost his life the other one has saved it Jesus said, ask yourself, do you want to, are you on a mission? Do you want to be on a mission with God or do you want to be on a career? Are you wasting your time? Is your life being wasted totally? I mentioned Ravi Zechariah before. He shares a story of a, a man called Robert Jaffray. He was a man that went to... Um, he was in a very wealthy family. His family had a fortune in, in Toronto, a large newspaper company, a bit like the Packers here in Australia. Very wealthy, and so they um, wanted him to stay. And he, as a young person, he learned the Chinese language. <clears throat> and he wanted to go to China to be a missionary into China. And, um, and so they sent him a message, and they said, so they offered him, they offered him double the salary, and he said, And he refused that again. And then they sent him a message and they said, Robert J. Frey, at any cost. So basically, you name the figure and we'll pay you for it. We just want you to stay. And his reply was, he replied back to him saying, your salary is big. Your job is too small. And then he went to China. He helped translate the Bible into Cantonese. During World War II, when he broke out, he was, um, he was put in prison. And two weeks later, before the end of the war, he died. A lot of people say, what a waste. Wasted life, wasn't it? Totally wasted life. He could have stayed in New York, in, in, in Toronto with his family, could have had a very successful life. But he chose that which is not something that is pleasing to the eye here on this earth. C.T. Studd said, 
Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. One day we'll come to the end of our life, won't it? One day will be our last as well, just like that says. One, it won't be long. And what will we say on that day? But more importantly, what will God say on that day? A lot of you would have heard of Jim Elliot. He's the missionary that was um, martyred for, for, his, for Christ up in the jungles in South America. And he said, he, he wrote in his, in his book, He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We'll leave that there for a little bit. You have the next one, please? He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You can't lose it. You can't lose what God has for us and what God has for you. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you will lose it in the end. If you lose your life for Christ's sake, in the end, you will save it. If you live for your career, if I live for my career, what difference will it make 10 seconds after I die? But if I live for service for the kingdom of God, 10,000 years later, I won't regret it, will I? 10,000 years after I die, after you die, you won't regret it. But five seconds after you die, you'll be a total waste if you don't. <clears throat> so just uh, I'd like to finish with, um, with the first two questions that I had. What do you do for a living? But more importantly, what are you living for? What am I living for? What are each one of us living for? I think just like Jesus pulled his disciples aside and he asked them, he asked them the question and he said, well, you know, when it's all nice and quiet, when you're in the stillness of the night. And what I love about Jesus is I do that sometimes and you've got to do that with kids. You know, recently I had a chat with Ante and I, I know exactly what his answer is going to be. You know, parents know what their kids will answer what, when you ask them a question and it depends if it's a... It's a, a little bit more than the average, just simple question. When you ask something a little bit deeper, you know what the kid is going to say. But then you still want them to say it. You still want them to come out and to make that confession and to, 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 to hear what's inside in their heart. And I think that's what Jesus wanted too from his disciples. He knew what they were going to say, but he wanted them to say it. He wanted to hear it. And the same thing with you and me. God knows what's in our heart. But he wants you to see it. He wants me to see it. So that if it's not exactly what should be in my heart, that he can turn that around and to make that something that will not regret for 10,000 years after that, after we die. So I'll leave the seeds there. Please feel free to take some and plant them in your garden and, um, and see how when we die that how we will reproduce and how when we die to ourselves, not physically only, probably when you physically die too, you might reproduce as well. But when you die um, to yourself and you put others ahead, how we will reproduce for his kingdom. May God bless his word.
thank you for sharing with us this morning. Um, if we can just have some volunteers pass around the offering bags, please, uh, during the next song. And then once the offering bag's gone past you, if you'd just like to stand.